And after I pray, if there's anyone who has a prayer on their heart they want to share with us, they have a testimony, have a scripture, we welcome you. Most gracious God, we thank you for this time. We thank you, thank you, thank you so much that you have allowed us yet to come together to just share your word and encourage each other and be empowered by your spirit. This and all the blessings we ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone with a prayer or a scripture at this time? Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Anybody with a scripture that you want to type in and I'll read it? Anyone? online that wants to on the phone wants to pray hallelujah thank you jesus yes lord thank you lord bless your name Let me play some music. Uh, I don't own the right for the music. We have no rights to the music. And it will not be played for a purpose of a prof for making a profit. And simply as part of the worship service.
Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endure it to all generations. Hallelujah. That was Psalm 100 by Sparkle. Welcome everyone. Do you have a prayer? Do you have a scripture? Do you have a song? Amen. This power hour this afternoon. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We thank everyone for joining us. Hallelujah. Yes, Pastor, it's Brother Dick. I have a prayer. Yes, sir. Okay. Father, we just thank you um, for what we received this morning on the love of God that has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we just thank you uh, that you continue, your grace continues to move the family of God along. Uh, your, your grace continues to quicken the family of God. 
your grace continues to strengthen the family of God, whether it be in tribulation, distress, uh, anxiety, fear, uh, insurmountable challenges for people on a financial level and an economic level. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that uh, also you protect the elderly. Uh, we come against uh, this situation, Lord, where the voting rights are being threatened in the name of Jesus. But we know that uh, when the enemy comes, you're able to lift up a standard against the enemy. And we know, Lord, that uh, once again, you did it. You did it for us in the pandemic. You did it for us in the situation with George Floyd and the outcome of that case. And we believe you'll do it once again. You'll come through for us. And we thank you, Lord, that you will protect people, especially the elderly, from being taken advantage of, pushed aside, or even harmed, oh God, or deprived of their God-given rights, oh God, that, that have been given unto them. Father God, I thank you, God, when an enemy is bound, he must restore sevenfold. And I thank you, Lord, that we put a wedge between the enemy through the blood of the cross and the resurrection life and power of Jesus. We thank you for great victory. We thank you for uh, overcoming power. We thank you. We decree that we truly are more than conquerors through him that loves us. We are conquerors over the voting situation. We are conquerors, Lord, over the challenges ahead. We are conquerors over the great adversity that's right before our eyes. We are conquerors over the opposition that's before our eyes. And we're more than conquerors, O oh Lord, even when people speak against the ministry. You promise in your word you would establish our going. You promise in your word you would cause us to prosper. And we know it's because the love of God that's been shed abroad in each of our hearts is on our side. And the word is ours. We love it, Lord. Lord, continue such Oh God, the Afro-American community with the situation with voting, stir it up in the name of Jesus. Stir it up, Lord, for victory. Stir it up for deliverance. Stir it up for recovery. Stir it up for healing. And stir it up, oh God, for a, a, a sound, a sound victory that only you can perform. Because you said the, the, the life of the flesh is the, the sound counsel of God which will stand. Your counsels will stand. We thank you that devices, we decree today, the devices of the people will be cut off, will be cut down. You'll, you'll chop them up, oh God, with, with your word. Your word will chop them up one at a time if you have to, in the name of Jesus. So we decree on this power hour as we advance in the spirit, total victory over everyone and total victory, not only the participants, but the people who were unable to make it today, and the people that are connected to this ministry throughout the earth. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Do we have another scripture, another testimony, a song? Amen. Thank you, Lord. That was a blessing and encouraging 
God, we just thank you again. We thank you for this gathering as we receive your word. Touch and anoint, Lord, all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it was wonderful to see many people today and to hear from so many people uh, on the from the stream and uh, those on the phone. And so we thank God for his great generosity. And here again this afternoon at the Power Hour, and we're streaming, we're sharing on the telephone line. And this morning we uh, shared Romans, the eighth chapter, a few verses and just a few things. We are, let's scratch the surface. And so this afternoon, you know, as I'm praying and thinking about many aspects of uh, what we shared this morning about the love of God. And since uh, we do a little bit more instructions uh, in the power hour, I thought it would be worthwhile sharing this afternoon an aspect of interpretation of the scripture an aspect of what we call exegesis, a particular tool that is in our toolbox that can help us mightily in understanding a lot of what the scripture is saying. What happens frequently enough in the scripture is that there are ex implicit, implicit questions, implicit questions. The questions are implied. They are embedded, so to speak, in the text, in the passage, but don't necessarily ask them plainly. And the type of implicit questions that I want to share this afternoon is not like what we shared uh, in Romans 8 this morning from verses 31 to 39. In fact, what Paul is doing is really asking a lot of rhetorical questions question that the answer to to the readers should be obvious so he asks a lot of lots of rhetorical questions but the the implicit questions that's being asked of him what is being implied is not express in the text. We don't know exactly what they were, but we have strong indications that they were. Again, it is interesting that Paul 
answered what seemed to be several implicit questions by using rhetorical questions. And that kind of fit into also what I shared this morning, a way of getting to the bottom of stuff. Uh, we call it argumentation. Uh, not arguing in the sense uh, that we use the word arguing sometimes today, but discussions get into the truth, the back and forth. In Hebrew, the heavy and the light. Uh, common way of the uh, philosophical discussions of scholars and regular people in the Greek and Roman um, uh, world and in the time of Paul. And for us, this implies several things. Not only uh, is there strong indications of, of implicit questions, uh, uh, things that are implied in the passage that would come from others, would come from groups, will come from individuals, will come from the church, will come from the, the Jews, uh, come from the, the uh, people who were not converted yet, people, as we say, who had questions, uh, people who doubted the gospel, uh, people who were confused or whatever about Jesus and his sacrificial death and what it really meant to, to the world. Um, so there are explicit questions whereby someone may pose and loudly or otherwise or in writing uh, specific questions. I mean, it's, it's, it's expressed. Uh, and, but we don't have that here, as I said before. We don't have the question expressed. They're not explicit. But I will share with you in a moment that they're implied. And again, the second facet of this is not just questions that may have been asked or Paul anticipated that could be asked, but more important for you and for me, questions that we ourselves have even today about the text, about our life, about our, our Christian faith. Because we can be certain that Paul himself had questions. Um, that's why this passage of scripture in Romans 8 is so encouraging because if you go back to ch chapter 7, 
You see, Paul is expressly asking some questions and making some assertion and saying, you know, I try to do good, but every time I try to do good, I find myself doing bad. I struggle with this. I struggle with that. I struggle with the other. I struggle with my ministry. I struggle with my calling. I struggle without how the people treat me, uh, even though I I may mean no harm for them. So some of the questions that are implicit in the passage is the struggle that you and I have. And sometimes every day is one part there where Paul says, you know, we, we're crucified every day. You know, we go through stuff. So the veneer, the facade, the covering may suggest often of a stalwart, staunch, determined person in Christ. But the truth of the matter is that yeah, they, they, we have questions of our own implied and sometimes expressed openly. Writing a letter, for instance, wasn't necessarily an easy task. Not only was it arduous and laborious, for the most part, it was expensive. I mean, we didn't have large, they didn't have large production of, uh, of paper. Uh, like we have today, and ink, and typewriters, and printers, and electronic transmissions, email, and texting, and streaming, God forbid, and telephone, and telegram, and telegraph, and uh, no, yeah, 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 no, 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 paper, as we would say, Paper and pencil, paper and pen were extremely expensive for the ordinary person. And so you, you, you don't take the time, Paul didn't take the time to write down unimportant things. Nobody did no, 2,000 years ago or even a few hundred years ago or even a few decades ago. And so when we look at uh, Romans 8, and we look at uh, those verses that I shared this morning, verses 31 through 39, and we won't go through each verse, just wanted to point a couple of things where it could be suspected that um, that um, there are some questions that were in the minds of people, maybe questions asked of Paul, quest, uh, maybe questions that Paul himself had. Just the way all that clause begin that 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 that. Uh, um, 
in verse 31. What shall we say then? It's almost the point of saying, well, yeah, I, I you know, I don't know how else to put it. I got it. It. Uh, it uh, this is it. If God be for us, if God be for you, how can anyone be against us? And it matters, and it's count. Imagine a person of Jewish tradition who might ask the question, well, we, our ancestors, have followed Jewish laws for hundreds of years. We have made sacrifices, sent up prayers, fought wars, gone through famine, been beaten up and conquered, by other people and now if you present to us another way of understanding God and and God being our God and we being his people how can you explain this why would we have to go through all of this just to get us to the point of God presenting Jesus to us. Why do I, why do you, why do my family, my friends, my community, why, why do we have to go through all of this to come to the point of realization that God loves us? And for us who have tried to do good and serve the Lord, sometimes it just gets very exasperating to understand how God is connecting to us. Those may be some of the implied questions that came up in the time of Paul and certainly come up to us as individuals from time to time. So God says, I can't explain it any other way but to tell you that God inspires his own son. So, you know, we, we, we can't count ourselves as exception. Uh, and... Um, if, if all the sacrifices that people have made uh, over the centuries, uh, you think it doesn't mean anything or so forth. Well, no, it came to the point where God made his sacrifice for us. And that would override any sacrifice that we have ever offered him all our descendants, descendants, I mean ancestors, had offered. He gave up his son to be our salvation. And so, how can you fault yourself or anyone for you 
and me for doing what is right in the sight of God because God has canceled all debts by sacrificing his own son on our behalf. There's nothing that anyone can accuse us of that would indicate that God doesn't care for us because of what he done, what he did through Jesus Christ. There's nothing. God is just. And he definitely has treated us justly. Because it's Christ that died, we didn't die to make things right. But God on Son was given to us. Therefore, there's nothing else. There's nothing beyond that that would separate us, that will let God no longer love us or indicate that God didn't love us from the very beginning because no greater love can anyone show, show uh, lay down his own life. He gave his son as a living sacrifice for us. And then in spite of all that we have gone through, as I said this morning, we have still come out on top. Even after we die, we join Christ. And like I said last week, and we become coheres with Christ. So it is a win-win situation for us when we stick to God because nothing can separate us. Doesn't matter what. Anything that you can imagine, even death, because we will resurrect. Anything that life can throw at us. No power, no matter what it is. If this whole world be blown asunder, no power, no nation, nothing. Nothing that is gone, nothing that is now, nothing that is to come. Absolutely nothing like I said this morning. Nothing too long, too short, too high, too wide goes beyond the creation of all existence, all the galaxies, everything that we can think of, black matter, white matter, you know, so many things that we don't even know about, black holes, light, the speed of light, darkness, the power of all sorts of gravitational uh, consistencies. There's nothing, nothing, because God made it all and he's above all, he's omnipotent, 
is more powerful than anything that we can imagine and perhaps you know I like to think of it this way that we don't often express it this way but perhaps the greatest power that God exercises exhibit appropriated you know is love itself and God's love for us so at this afternoon as we encourage ourselves and we think of all that we can attribute to God we talk about the attributes of God as we reflect on this and as we ourselves may have unexpressed questions but questions anyhow implicit questions I think explicitly we can say that if there's nothing greater than the love of God for us and God is love the scripture tells us then it's okay it's okay that the questions may come up in our minds every now and then it, 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 it's okay that sometimes we feel that we are on shaky grounds and sometimes we even feel unloved God's powerful love overcomes all of that and for that we are more than conquerors amen god bless you and thank you and at this time do we have any